Welcome to podcast episode 225. I'm Stuart McCullough, I'm the CEO of BHAA. Joining me for today's discussion is workplace relations consultant, Madeline White. Maddie, welcome. Hi, Stuart. This is not the first podcast that we've done together. You know the drill. Uh, you know that I'm going to show you a clue that will suggest the subject for today's uh, discussion. But the first clue is about to roll now. So, Maddie, for the benefit of those people who are um, who are listening uh, to this podcast rather than watching, uh, what is it that you saw? It's a little clip of uh, two people sitting on a couch. One is slurping their drink quite loudly and annoyingly. I have to say. Uh, well, you know these things are these things are subjective. Now, I'll give you a, a little bit more of a clue. Uh, that's coming up. That's coming up now. So Maddie, once more, uh, for the benefit of those people who are listening to this podcast rather than watching, uh, how would you describe the footage that you've just seen? Again, we've got a situation where there's some people sitting around. They look to be eating some soup. And I say again, from my perspective, very loudly and rather annoyingly uh, eating that soup. Okay. Uh, so on the basis of those clues, what, what would you say the subject for today's discussion is? It's an interesting one. You've got someone having drinking, I'm going to take a guess and say coffee, and then we've got uh, a group of people eating some food. So the only thing I can think about is maybe meal breaks. That is a, a, an heroic guess, uh, maybe, but, but tragically wrong. Um, I think you would use the term slurping. I, I would use a different term, uh, sipping. Uh, so today we are going to be talking about the sip uh, which is uh, the statewide industry panel uh, known to some of us in the office as the SIP, uh, which is contained within clause 14 of the nurses and midwives agreement for those who want to read along at home. Uh, in this uh, instance, we're talking about something that was an existing term which has been amended in the most recent round, uh, including the title. That's right. In the 2016 to 2020 nurses agreement, uh, clause 14 was entitled the statewide classification committee. It's now the statewide industry panel. Uh, but it's not just the title that has changed. Uh, there are changes, including uh, to the scope of what the panel can do. Uh, and we're going to go through that uh, in some detail. Maddie, this is a new part of the podcast in a nutshell. Uh, what is Clause 14, the statewide industry panel, all about? In a nutshell, it's a body consisting of employer and union nominees and an independent chair who are responsible of, for doing specific things around classifications, uh, certain kinds of disputes and development of descriptors. I think that's a very good nutshell. Uh, it should be noticed, uh, noted that the idea of the panel has been picked up in other agreements, but the purpose or scope of the panel varies between agreements. Uh, so Maddie, I think that does bring us to the issue of, of the scope for Clause 14 under the Nurses and Midwives Agreement. What does this panel do? So it's outlined at Clause 14.1 and there are three things that the panel can do. So let's bring that uh, the first of those up on screen now, starting with Clause 14.1a, which states, 
the statewide industry panel can undertake the following functions. So the first being determine applications regarding classifications where an employee's position or position that the employer proposes to create is not subject to an existing classification in the agreement or previous determination of the statewide classification committee. And there is a dispute about existing classifications under this agreement, uh, which may include the characterization of the campus or health service. Okay, well, let's unpack that a little bit. Element number one as to what the panel can do concerns classifications. It does, but in a couple of parts. The previous clause uh, was responsible for dealing with positions that don't fall within the structure. Okay, so on a very logical basis, uh, a position that doesn't fall within the current structure is probably not something that the Commission could have helped us with in the sense that there is the sort of no framework to determine it. Exactly. So industry experts would come together to determine the correct classification, having regard for the circumstances, including relativity. And the idea of that was um, when we did that in the previous round was to generate precedent, um, uh, hence the reference to it not having been the subject of a previous determination. That's right. It's intended to consider those issues once uh, and then be applied consistently across the sector. But in addition to you know, those classifications that don't fit uh, or roles that don't fit within the existing classification uh, structure, we now have um, uh, disputes about existing classifications uh, being part of the panel scope. That's new and a broadening of the responsibility of the panel. It could be a classic dispute over whether someone is correctly classified or it could be a dispute over the characterisation of a campus or health service, which is relevant for some classifications. Uh, maybe that's the first element, first element classifications, both those you know, within the existing structure or outside of it. But you said that there were two other things the panel is responsible for? That's right. Uh, we'll bring up a clause 14.1b first, which states, which determines disputes that arise under clause 11b, no amalgamation of wards without agreement of the unions and the employer. So the first thing to say um, about that is it's a dispute. Uh, but it's a particular type of dispute. You'll see that it references the clause 11b, which concerns amalgamation of wards. So let's just remind members of uh, the term at 11b. It says that proposed ward amalgamations require consultation, but if there's a dispute instead of the commission, it goes to the panel. Clause 11b also notes uh, that amalgamations that increase employee workloads or patient risk won't occur. Uh, without agreement between the AMF and the employer. Further, that the panel will consider the department's guidelines regarding wards. Uh, so to quickly recap, previously the committee uh, would only look at emerging classifications or roles that don't fit within the classification structure. Under the new agreement, the panel will also look at classification disputes under the existing structure, uh, as well as um, uh, disputes about uh, ward amalgamation. That's right. Uh, put simply, the scope has been expanded enabling the panel to consider disputes under two categories, classifications, either roles that do not fit within the existing classification structure or disputes under the existing structure and board amalgamation disputes. Maddie, you said though that there were three sort of components to that scope. What's the third element? So the third uh, is 14.1c, which we'll bring up on screen now. Um, it states, undertake the task with respect to descriptions regarding the CAPR classification stream, 
the nurse uh, to midwife unit manager classifications and CNC as described at 14.9, development and finalization of classification descriptions. What's interesting about uh, that subclause at 14.1C is it's, it's not about a dispute, uh, but the uh, conducting of a body of work around classification descriptors. That's right. The work will undertake uh, the following, the development of uh, num descriptors, advanced practice liaison nurse uh, coordinators and clinical nurse consultants. It's also important to highlight that there will be external uh, consultant support um, Maddie, it does take us to the logical uh, and somewhat inevitable question. Who's on the panel? The panel comprises of three individuals, being a nominee uh, of the VHIA on behalf of employers, a nominee of the ANMS on behalf of employees, and an independent chairperson agreed by VHIA and the ANMS, or in the absence of agreement, as nominated by the Minister of Health. Uh, just in terms of those nominees, um, one of the queries that we've had is whether or not they change. So I think a person will be nominated for a particular matter uh, as such. So various people might be on the panel from time to time. It's not one person for the life of the agreement. Um, but a nominee means that it's somebody from the field uh, rather than a VHA staff member. And the individuals uh, that make up the statewide industry panel, Maddie, are they independent from AMF and VHA? They are. So the ANF will nominate an individual from the field, as will VHIA, and they will act completely independently uh, of the ANF and VHIA. And the idea behind that is that having someone from the field is a way to utilise the professional expertise that exists within the sector. Yes, but uh, no nominee on the panel may be involved in the matter if they are directly affected or are personally interested in the outcome. So the classic um, conflict of interest provisions apply. Um, and just to reiterate, you know, who's on the panel is not set for the life of the agreement, but it can vary from matter to matter. And the chair, uh, who might be a former Fair Work Commissioner, for example, acts as an independent third party. So that's who's on the panel. It does take us um, to how it works. And let's start at subclause 14.3, which deals with applications where a role is not subject to an existing classification. So clause 14.3 outlines the application process where the dispute is not subject to an existing classification, whereas subclause 14.4 is about disputes regarding an existing classification. Okay, so that's a, that's a really interesting um, point of distinction. Depending on the type of classification issue, there is some variance about uh, the application process. Yeah, so you ask yourself whether the issue is about a role not within the current structure, which takes you to 14.3, or an existing classification, which takes you to 14.4. So let's work through those in turn and start with subclause 14.3. Maddie, what are the employer's obligations under this subclause? So the employer must make a written notification to the panel within 14 days. All right, so interesting that it identifies that it's the employer's role to do that where a role doesn't fit in the classification structure, but can an employee uh, make an application uh, under this course? They can. A written notification to the panel will be made by the employee and or their representative where the employer has been notified in writing of the intention to make an application to the panel. 28 days have elapsed since the written notification without the employer having made an application to the panel in relation to the identified position. And the employer and employee uh, and the employee's representatives 
have met and discussed the proposed application and the outcome of the discussion confirmed in writing. And finally, that the employer and employee and their representatives where relevant have cooperated to ensure a meeting occurs within 28 days of um, A. Okay. So it does, uh, there are four components to that. Should all four components be satisfied uh, for a panel to consider an application? There must be a genuine attempt to meet all of these elements. So just in terms of, given that the responsibility sits with the employer, um, what if um, those steps aren't met? Uh, what if an employer, for example, was not cooperative? The application may still be considered by the panel. This is specifically highlighted at subclause 14.3A3, which states um, that where an employer fails to cooperate and meet as required at subclause 14.3A2C or D, this does not prevent the employee's application to the panel. Okay, so refusing to engage or, or declining to engage or not acting in a timely manner uh, doesn't uh, act as a barrier to an employee going around the employer in those circumstances. Let's turn the table though. Uh, what if the employee or the representative fails to cooperate and meet as required? Would the panel still consider the application in those circumstances? Uh, where the employee fails to cooperate, the panel will not deal with the application until the meeting occurs. Okay, um, let's move uh, to disputes about an existing classification at 14.4. Uh, that clause makes it clear that either party can apply to the panel. Uh, yes, but where there has first been an attempt to resolve it locally through the dispute resolution procedure at clause 13. More information about the dispute resolution procedure can be found in podcast 215. So just to emphasise that complying with clause 13 means the obligations also at 13.2 around status quo and the requirement to genuinely try and resolve the dispute. Um, maybe the clause sets out information that needs to be provided to the panel where an application is made under either 14.3 for a uh, role that doesn't fit within the classification structure or 14.4 for a dispute about an existing classification. Now, what is the kind of what are the kinds of materials uh, that need to be provided to the panel? Uh, so in terms of amendments to the clause, there hasn't been substantial deviation from the 2016 agreement where an application to the panel is made under 14.3 or 14.4. The employer will provide the following materials where available uh, as soon as practicable. Uh, they are the position description of the role, mandatory and desirable post-registration skills, knowledge and education the grade proposed by the applicant and uh, the comparator positions used to determine the proposed grade, proposed and or uh, actual professional reporting lines uh, to the proposed position, uh, an outline of the existing and proposed organisational structure applicable to the positions, and uh, identification of EFT and skill mix, if any, that report to the position. Okay. And there are additional uh, materials that can be also provided where the employee concerns an existing employee? That's correct. The employer will ensure the employee is given uh, the opportunity to provide an outline of the skills, duties, responsibilities and educational underpinning of the role, uh, objective observations on any differences between the role and that described in the position description, and the employee's response, if any, to uh, the existing employee's outline at 14.5 uh, B1 and 2. It may seem strange that we're referring to an existing employee in that context, but just remembering that this process also applies where an employer is seeking to create a new role 
that no one occupies that doesn't fit within the classification structure. But interesting uh, that that process would effectively flush out whether the employer and employee see a role differently as such. Uh, Maddie, the, the application is made, uh, materials are submitted. How then does the panel consider that application? So the role of the panel is to review all material provided by the parties outlined uh, in subclause 14.5 in reaching a determination in relation to a specific dispute. Um, what's interesting for me is how specific clause 14.6 is in terms of what the panel considers or what it must do. Uh, for example, in the case of an application under subclause 14.3, uh, the panel will utilise available research-based skills matrices. For a dispute under either subclause 14.3 or 14.4, the panel must determine by the inherent requirements of the physician, not those of the individual. And for a dispute over an existing classification, what 14.6 makes clear is that the panel is applying the existing classification descriptors. It's not rewriting the agreement. The list at 14.6a doesn't limit the panel. Uh, Subclause 14.6b goes on to state that the panel may otherwise inform itself in any matter, manner it sees fit. So just in terms of well, what an example of that might be in terms of 14.6b in practice, Maddie. So the panel may seek the views of an expert advisor to provide clinical expertise in an area of nursing or midwifery where there is a classification matter under consideration. Okay. And can the panel pick any individual that wishes to assist them in that process? No, the advisor must not be an employee of the health service subject to the application and the individual must be agreed by the panel. So the panel determines applications by majority. The written reasons are, are prepared by the chairperson provided to the parties. Um, what happens if a party uh, doesn't agree with the outcome? Are they able to, for example, ignore the determination? No, a determination of the panel is binding. Well, what if a party disagrees? Um, can they seek assistance from the Fair Work Commission, for example? Parties can seek that the determination be uh, reviewed by the Commission. Okay, so the application uh, for the review must be made to the Commission within 14 days of the determination. There is a time, a strict timeline that applies there. The application needs to include the original application, determination, written reasons and supporting material. Uh, where a determination of the panel is referred to the Fair Work Commission for review, does the panel have any further work to do at that point? The chair of the panel does. The commission will be assisted by the chairperson who will explain their recommendation, the application and supporting material, and will also inform the commission of the position of the ANMS and the VHIA. Uh, Maddie, there's a new clause that outlines uh, an additional role of the chairperson when considering matters affecting the hospital or health services funding? The new clause recognises that the representatives of the Victorian government, being the Department of Health, has a right to have its interests heard and considered. Uh, so the department, uh, to state the obvious, may have a direct interest where a matter uh, or outcome could have funding implications. In such situations, uh, the chair will ensure that the department has a fair opportunity to be heard by the panel and the department's interests are given due consideration by the panel in its decision making. One of the interesting features of this process, Maddie, is that it's intended to be quick. Yeah, the panel will notify the employer and employee where applicable of the outcome of the application in writing uh, within 14 days of the decision. And when does a determination about a classification apply from? 
The determined grade will apply from the date of the application or a later date determined by the panel. So the grade will be applicable from the date of the application being made to the panel, really unless specified otherwise. Correct. So that takes us on to clause 14.9, um, development and finalisation of classification descriptors. This obviously is a new term that's been included uh, to spell out that additional task that the panel is to perform. That's correct. Uh, to recap, the parties will uh, undertake the following. The finalisation of the three uh, level nurse midwife unit manager classification descriptors, develop and finalise classification descriptors for the CAPR classification stream, so the liaison clinical coordinators and advanced practice, recognising the work the uh, SCC completed and associated translation arrangements and also uh, review the CNC descriptors. So there are some gaps that need to be filled and, and uh, it was intended that that would occur some time ago, but of course uh, the pandemic intervened. Uh, we did discuss earlier that the department would engage a consultant to assist with the development of descriptors. So what happens if the parties can't agree on the on a classification descriptor? The purpose of having uh, a consultant involved in the process is to assist the ANMS, BHIA and department in identifying potential options for resolution. Uh, where the parties are unable to agree on a classification descriptor following these discussions, the classifications will be referred to a media for mediator for resolution. Okay, so there will be a way to get uh, to fill those gaps that are currently within the agreement so that we don't have to rely on the formula, that there'll be some descriptors. Uh, Maddie, thank you so much for taking us through uh, clause 14, the SIP clause uh, today. Thanks, Stuart. <laughs>